welcome to And It's Writing, a live stream and podcast where two writers have a few drinks and some laughs while we revise our old work and discuss writing-related topics. I'm Avery. I write adult fantasy. And to start off with, I'm going to apologize if I sound a little stuffy. Um, I finally caught COVID. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm doing better now. I've been recovered, but I still have the the sound of COVID. <laughs> sound of covid <laughs> i'll probably have the sound of covid for a few weeks oh man our new hit single <laughs> hello covid my old friend i hope disturbed does a cover of it <laughs> so yeah i uh, what i'm working on and what i'm reading uh, i'm working on final copy edits to the sequel to my self-published book and i'm also doing a thing this weekend that's called the 24-hour novel challenge it started today some people did it today some are doing it saturday some are doing it sunday I am not doing 24 hours. It's supposed to be a 24-hour marathon. I am too old for that shit. So we're 80. Yeah. We're 80 years yes. old. So yeah. I'm going to try to do a 12-hour Saturday and a 12-hour Sunday and see how far I get on drafting probably the third final book in the Campieri series. And what I'm reading is Little Thieves, um, which is a YA fantasy kind of fairy tale book um with a very nice morally gray protagonist and what it's doing the best is it's incredibly immersive from page one you are in this world um i am enjoying it very much <laughs> yay good luck on your 24-hour challenge thank you <laughs> i'm dc i write speculative and uh fantasy i am i just finished doing an agent edit on uh, my manuscript this last two weeks and i am my brain is completely <laughs> fried it was a it was a very, very big turnaround and it was like 120,000 words and it was two weeks to like fix a big huge mechanic so i'm like broken <laughs> yeah when you say just finished you literally mean just finished yeah i finished literally like three hours ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i just finished so i'm like a little wacky right now but um what i am reading oh wow you guys you ought to know what i'm reading i am reading a very strange book that was recommended to me by a friend kind of recommended to me i kind of asked what is the weird book you're reading and uh she told me oh it's called tampa it's by Alyssa nutting and uh it's a book about um a 26 year old teacher in tampa bay florida whose only goal as a teacher is to um woo one of her 14 year old middle school students it's i guess kind of like a modern play on lolita but i don't know <laughs> I, i'm not really like I don't want to say, you know, it's not bad. Like, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's a very strange subject matter. It's creepy. You know what you're signing up for when you pick up the book. Like I just, you know, I think I was spoiled with Lolita because that character is fucked up. Like, and I was like, I want this character to feel like scare me. And, uh, the character hasn't scared me yet. It just kind of feels like, a. It just kind of feels like a, a normal romance novel, but with, like, some really weird shit going on with, like, younger kids, which is odd. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not, you know, but, like, every once in a while, I will, you know, I'll, I'll try to read something that is just really messed up mm -hmm. just to, like, see what publishing is up to, just to sort of see what the limits are, what people are 
tinkering with like it's it's purely curiosity you know what she does well well she creeps me the hell out really well <laughs> i i really would like to read like a normal romance novel by this author because she seems to really hit like some of the the the, the stuff in romance that keeps us reading she does that it's just not for me it's not really you know, working in a space like this because I was expecting a little bit darker, but it's not reading as dark to me. It's just oh. reading as like, yeah, like, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's been a fun read and I'm blazing through the book. So, you know, she, she did something right. Right. Cause I, I I'm like, I, th- I don't think I've read this book this fast since like name of the wind. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> like, it's new. <laughs> what is going to happen to this crazy fucked up woman next? <laughs> um, that's all I got. Oh, yeah, today we are going to be talking about uh, head hopping and point of view breaks or when your story's narration slips out of the protagonist's point of view. And this is our usual reminder that writing is not all about rules. Uh, when we're writing, we sometimes need to break them as well. And so we're both firm believers that if the rules feel too suffocating or overwhelming, just ignore them and write. So now we get to go into the drink since our topic is head hopping. I chose a very hoppy drink um, and I've got, it's a Space Camper IPA. It's called Giga Hop. Um, It's a dual hemisphere IPA. I'm going to read the little description here. It says it hops from both Northern and Southern hemispheres, pine and herbal aromas from the North balanced by down under varietals delivering passion fruit, mango, and citrus. I'm normally not an IPA person. I'm normally like, I like Ozes, I like wits. And so this is a little out of my usual comfort zone, but it is very citrusy and actually rather nice. Nice. I, uh, I was supposed to be drinking an IPA made by one of my partners tonight, but as it turns out, those IPAs have soured no. since we la- since we bottled them. So instead, I am drinking the only other IPA thing we have in the house, which is uh, this Odin Skull. It, you can see them in the store in the crazy oh. fancy bottles. It's like a mead, but they add in uh, hops oh. uh, into the mead. So this is a mead. It's like apples and cinnamon and actually it's like it tastes kind of like a cider it's really good uh it's a 19 percent. i'm gonna be <laughs> drinking this very slowly mine is much or, lower mine is normal beer percent it's like under six so yeah hoppy and um i can't remember if it was before this week or slightly after this week but also hoppy anniversary to our podcast yes because we're basically a year old now, right? Yes, we're actually a year old as of last month. <laughs> okay, well, happy anniversary to us. We weren't here for that. Yeah, we had stuff going on, so we didn't get to uh, we didn't get to celebrate it. But I'm going to mention it anyway because it's still important. Yeah, we had a few mo- or a few weeks off, so we're we're back in the saddle. We might be a teensy bit rusty, but we'll see where we go. Yeah. So yeah. We kind of mentioned what head hopping is um, and point of view breaks, and they're really kind of terms for the same, sort of the same thing. Head hopping's more specific. Um, point of view break is a little more all-encompassing, but it's when you slip out of the main character's point of view and see what's going on in someone else's head. So kind of our first discussion is when are they bad and when are they good or useful? Boy, <laughs> do you want to start with this or do you want me to do it? Well, I was going to say for me, when they're most bad is it's part of its execution as is everything with writing but if you're in first person is usually when you want to stay in one head if you start like 
telling us what's going on in other people's brains in first person, it can be very jarring. When it can be good is if you're trying omniscient, which I have not tried, but that's the point of view where you, the the narrator, so to speak, knows what's going on in everybody's heads. It's an advanced technique. <laughs> so this is a... Uh... This is a technical question. Are you discussing like what head hopping is without a section break? Yes. Yes. Like, yeah. Okay. Because you guys all know that it's illegal to do head hopping without a section break. <laughs> uh, if it's not an omniscient book, right? Because you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Because section breaks <laughs> are if you're kind of doing multi POV, which is a different thing. Uh, multi POV is like if each chapter is from a different point of view. Or if you have like a scene and then a break and then another scene from another point of view, that's multi-point of view, which is different. Head hopping is when you do it, yeah, within the same scene. Yeah, because I was going to say, I mean, head hopping isn't really generally accepted outside of an omniscient book. Yeah. Or that that's it, right? Like that's that's the only time you can really do head hopping. Yeah, really, if you're trying omniscient, that's when you'll use head hopping so to speak and yeah can be used effectively but can be tricky because it can be jarring to your readers and smoothing out those transitions is just one of those matters of finesse yes i think when i look back on my time as a writer <laughs> um before i knew what omniscient was and before i sort of like picked up on the technical aspects of writing i would i would hop i would swap perspectives mm -hmm. without a, a a you know a a section break or something like that to indicate a perspective switch um which was omniscient and the thing about it is i notice it a lot with newer writers they'll do this and sometimes they don't even do it intentionally yeah. they'll just they'll start telling you what another character is thinking without like intentionally doing it like and, and you have to like call them out on it a little bit be like this isn't okay because in so far this isn't an omniscient book and then they'll be like what are you talking about <laughs> and, and you have to be like well there's this thing called omniscient and when you write it you're basically um writing from a god's eye perspective mm -hmm. quote unquote and you were able to see what everybody's thinking but the thing is is with limited second or third person or first mm -hmm. especially first i don't know how you not limited first but like it's been a long day uh, you can't do that because it's confusing mm -hmm. to the reader yeah omniscient is almost always going to be third person um which is the he she they did thing instead of the i um second person is you which is very rare. Um, there are some authors who have used it very effectively, but it is very uncommon. I don't know if you could do omniscient in second. I've never really thought about it. You probably could because it's so unusual in the first place. You could totally do omniscient in second person if you were like God. That's true. Because, yeah, it's a narrator yeah. saying you do this yeah yeah i mean like imagine like your crazy fucking edgelord writer <laughs> who's like i'm gonna write a book where a person is god and he's creating the world and and you know a certain amount of days and, and i'm gonna put you in his shoes and you're in second person if you don't know what second person is is when you use like you mm -hmm. like you you do this you do that that's um instead of i 
or a character. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, you could you could technically do that, and you would know everything about everybody, which might be a very interesting experiment. Like literally, like that might be pretty interesting. Um, you're gonna be hurting to find readers. <laughs> <laughs> I would appreciate that sort of thing, but you know, crazier things have been done before. But yeah, and and otherwise omniscient. Uh, 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 we've mentioned this before, but a good um, example of that is Dune mm-hmm. by Frank Herbert. That is a that is an omniscient. Which leads me into our example. What you have an example? I have an example. It's a very short snippet from Dune. Um, I'll bring it up on the screen here in a second. It's from pretty early on. It's like it's within I think the first chapter. Yeah, it's just going to kind of show you what we're talking about and we can kind of discuss it a little bit because that gives you like a more solid example. So I will, do you want to read it or do you want me to read it? Why don't you okay. read it? Because one of our listeners just sent me a unhinged POV shift and I'm kind of skirting over that right now to see if I also want to share that okay. one. So why don't you read this one? While you sort through that. Okay. <laughs> and I'll see if this one has any merit as well. Okay. So this is from Dune by Frank Herbert. Damn that Jessica, the Reverend Mother thought, if only she'd borne us a girl as she was ordered to do. Jessica stopped three paces from the chair, dropped a small curtsy, a gentle flick of left hand along the line of her skirt. Paul gave the short bow his dancing master had taught, the one used when in doubt of another station. The nuances of Paul's greeting were not lost on the Reverend Mother. She said, he's a cautious one, Jessica. Jessica's hand went to Paul's shoulder, tightened there. For a heartbeat, fear pulsed through her palm. Then she had herself under control. Thus he has been taught, your reverence. What does she fear, Paul wondered. So in this example, we actually have internal thoughts of two separate characters. And then there's also a moment where we're almost in Jessica's head when it talks about fear pulsing through her palm. That could be Paul feeling it as she grabs his shoulder. But it could also Mm -hmm. be seen as in her head. So we've got two and a half maybe three perspectives here um within the matter of a few paragraphs um there's actually a couple yep. paragraph breaks but it's pretty short and dune does this very frequently it's kind of a matter of taste whether it's effective or not <laughs> yeah i think the really important thing to note about dune and other books that are successfully omniscient is the fact that they do it the entire time you guys I tell you what, it is the biggest pet peeve of mine when someone hands me a book, and I apologize if my friend who has done this to me hears me, because it has been done by a very close friend, and I love you, Uh, I see you. When I'm handed a book, and the first, like, three chapters are limited third person, and then all of a sudden, because, you know, the author thinks, oh, I really have to get this other character's thoughts in, all of a sudden in the third chapter, it's omniscient. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work. And that's just, it goes back to, you know, the making promises thing. It goes back Mm -hmm. to setting your reader up to know what they're getting in for. Like it looks, again, I love you person who did this to me, (laughs) but it looks lazy because it looks like you're not trying to problem solve your way around Mm -hmm. a different way of showing what's going on in that person's Mm -hmm. head. Because all of a sudden you're like using omniscient because you can't, you can't show what that person's thinking any other way but telling us what they're thinking mm-hmm. but that's not how writing works if you decide you're going to do a limited perspective in the first three chapters that needs to go on throughout the book mm-hmm. if you're going to use omniscient um like frank herbert does you have to have this sort of thing all the time and that's mm-hmm. you know that's that's one of the big limits of a 
of a third omniscient book is that, and you will see this if you read Dune, all the secrets are known because you can read everybody's mind, right? Yeah. That's the blessing and curse of it. If you have two characters in a room and one character knows uh, one thing and the other character knows another, as a reader, you're going to know both things. And for some readers, that makes the reading experience less exciting because there's no, there's no mystery. Mm-hmm. So you have to do it in other ways. But you, if, if you do omniscient like this, like Frank Herba, like, like you just read, you definitely need to be doing it the whole time. And I tell you what he does. Yeah. He does it the entire book. From like the very beginning, he does it. Yep. And like, dude, he doesn't like, he doesn't cut himself a break. He doesn't do that thing where he's like, well, there's a lot of characters in this room right now, so I'm not going to do it because that could be overwhelming to the reader. Oh, no, no, no. If there are 20 characters in that room, you can guarantee you're going to hear from at least 12 of them. <laughs> he doesn't spare himself. Like he, he does, he goes the whole way. And it's really important that if you're going to use omniscient that you do do that mm-hmm. because otherwise the rhythm of the book gets kind of wonky. Yeah. Like it, it seems like it would be annoying, but it's more annoying to have it disappear and then reappear when it's convenient. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that appear omniscient appearing when it's convenient thing. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody should like it because it's not really how it works. And if you find yourself doing that, you should consider, you know, uh, more perspectives in your book. Yeah, I think that's something if it's yeah. it, like you said, it's percentages. It's mm-hmm. how much, like, if you spend most of the book in a very limited point of view, then when you do head hop, it's going to be jarring and noticeable. Versus if you're constantly head hopping, then it comes out as omniscient if you do it well. <laughs> yeah. So what was this unhinged thing you heard about? <laughs> okay, so one of our listeners just sent me this. Uh, it's a tweet. <laughs> It's by an at D zero A eight nine zero. The post says this is the single most unhinged POV shift in epic fantasy. And I love it. It is omniscient. It appears to be from Lord of the Rings. This is a, this is a great use of omniscient. And, and by the way, I did ask the person, is this book omniscient all the way through? And apparently it is. I've unfortunately never made it through one of Tolkien's books, but take their word for it. So here we go. Just over the top of the hill, they came on the patch of firwood. Leaving the road, they went into the deep resin-scented darkness of the trees and gathered dead sticks and cones to make a fire. Soon they had a merry crackle of flame at the foot of a large fir tree, and they sat around it for a while until they began to nod. Then, each in an angle of the great tree's roots, they curled up in their cloaks and blankets and were soon fast asleep. They set no watch. Even Frodo feared no danger yet for they were still in the heart of the Shire. A few creatures came and looked at them when the fire had died away. A fox, passing through the wood on business of his own, stopped several minutes and sniffed. Hobbits, he thought. Well, what next? I have heard of strange doings in this land, but I have seldom heard of a hobbit sleeping out of doors under a tree. Three of them! There's something mighty queer behind this. He was right but he never found out any more about it. <laughs> so yeah, this is a very odd um, tangent to a fox just <laughs> passing by and having these thoughts. And you know, like... Well, and it kind of benefits from the other use of omniscient that is common. Um, we've got the head hopping use, which is like Frank Herbert used very judiciously going into everybody's heads. And then you've got another type of omniscient, which has like a narrator 
and a lot of the Tolkien books kind of feel you don't ever know there isn't like technically a narrator it's not a character recounting the story later but you kind of get the feeling that it is someone telling you a story and that can work really well another place people use this a lot is fairy tales um, where they'll tell you everything everybody's thinking but it's from like a narrator's perspective and another example of that is pride and prejudice oh really because if you think about that opening line the it is a truth universally acknowledged line that's just kind of like a general statement and it's not being told to you specifically like it's kind of a narrator telling this to you and then the narrator tells you what's going on in everybody else's heads but it feels like someone telling you rather than you jumping around from head to head if that makes sense it's kind of subtle mm -hmm. but it's there yeah um so that's another way to do it effectively but the time and we're going to kind of lead into the editing here the time you don't want to do it is first person <laughs> Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> I did. This is a story from possibly, I'm going to give you a brief heads up of what's going on in the story. Um, I think it's my second NaNoWriMo, something like that. So we're talking 2007, 2000, maybe 2008. It might have been my third NaNo. Um, the main character is part of an order of, this is a fantasy romance, and she's part of an order of like bodyguards who are also courtesans. And has been assigned to a very grumpy, it's a grumpy sunshine book, has been assigned to a very grumpy charge. Do you want to read this? Yeah, I'll <laughs> read it. I'm ready. Is it a, is it a, is it a, is it a female perspective or a male perspective? It is a female perspective. Okay. All right, here we go. Are you actually going to talk to me? I asked, or are you going to be a baby about it? It was pride that made Donovan behave this way, so his pride was where I prodded. I asked for a sun guardian, he said, anger sparking in him, if I am going to be forced to have a babysitter. Not a... Not a what? I asked flatly. Donovan grimaced, suddenly reluctant to say out loud what he'd been thinking just a moment ago. I continued, Go ahead, say it. I've heard it all before, but maybe... First, you should ask your brother why he hired me. I pointed at Nikolai. Embarrassment washed through Nikolai, but he covered it with a disarming smile. Now, now, he said, waving his hands in front of him. Let's not focus on me, shall we? So we get three perspectives. You've got the main character's perspective, and then we'll, we'll kind of go through and edit why and where these are, because some of them are more blatant than others um because then we've got donovan's and we've got nikolai's yeah um before i start mm -hmm. you know i did want to it's funny because i wanted to talk about the thing that people do the most without realizing um and i think you this is a prime example of it here this is a very innocent mistake yeah. um you know like because <sighs> when you're writing these you know first person perspectives you know a person it has a sense of empathy, right? Mm -hmm. You're a person. You can look at a person and be like, oh, <laughs> I know why he's looking like that. Like, he's a prick. Like, <laughs> he's a confident prick. He's saying this because he's a confident prick. And you can have that thought and attribute it to the, the person you're talking with and have that thought in your head. But if you, if you do that on the page, you have to be really careful that you're not writing it as fact. Yeah. Because, in fact... You don't, you know, the, the first person's perspective actually doesn't know um, if that person 
is reluctant to say out loud what he'd been thinking. Um, you know, you don't you don't know that. You can you can definitely assume that, but if you're going to have a character have those thoughts, it needs to be obviously those characters' thoughts, mm-hmm. or you need to reel it in and be like, oh shit, you know, I I I crossed over the line here. And I think a lot of the times, even with me, still it happens accidentally, mm-hmm. and you don't even realize you're doing it. So. I believe the first part in this, uh, why don't you go for Go ahead for a second while I clear my okay. head. So we've got the first part, which is dialogue. Are you actually going to talk to me? I asked, or are you going to be a baby about it? Fine. First person. But the next line is the one, one of those ones that's really subtle. It was pride that made Donovan behave this way. So his pride was where I prodded. It's that thing you were just talking about where yep. it's presented as narrator fact. Those who are listening to this on audio can't actually see the screen, but it's not italicized. It's not a thought. It's presented from the narrator. So I think the yep. easiest fix is to make this a thought. We'll have to kind of rephrase it, but to make it the thought of like the character going, yeah, he's, he's being a proud prick. And so that's where I'm going to poke him. Yes. Yep, because it, it was pride that made Donovan behave this way is very like a like that's, you know, you can think that yourself mm-hmm. like that. That's a that's a thought that that character should have on their own. They they would know that that the pride's where it's coming from. So like, it's like, how do we edit this to make it obvious that this is a a thought that the character is having about a person like, oh, yes, this is a usual pride that he has. Like, I'm going to poke him there because I know it's his weak spot. Mm-hmm. I would do it as an italicized direct thought and like I said, just kind of rephrase it a little bit. How would you rephrase it? I'm trying it? to think. Because I see, I wouldn't italicize Okay, those. well, how would you do it? You might be. I'm thinking. I'm drunk. <laughs> that me hitting you? <laughs> I would do something like this and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I'd be like, of course, Donovan. So what I did was I changed it to <laughs> Um, of course, Donovan would behave this way, his fat pride and everything. So his pride was where I poked, you know? That makes sense. Because, yeah, it's not an italicized thought, but it's very obviously in a, the character's thought, not re- not in a narrator's thought, even though the, the narrator yeah. is also the character. But you know what I mean? It's not presented as like... This a, is a character having an opinion about someone's personality. Yes. It's giving it more voice that makes you know that it's it's inside the main character's head. Yes. I... I am curious what you what direction you are going though, because like I can't imagine a situation where italics would work here. So now I'm just really curious and want to pick your brain. I would have I was trying to figure out how to phrase it, but it would probably would have been something like italicizing it and then just being like proud son of a bitch. I'm gonna poke him where it hurts. <laughs> something like that and make that an italicized thought. But I like yours I, too. Yeah, I think they're both I think they're both very I think they're both very possible. I see me I'm I'm a person who so with italic uh, is for me, it's one of those things where it's like if I haven't been doing it the whole book, then I can't do it. Yeah. Because it seems unusual. So it's like one of those choices you have to make. Mm-hmm. Like is this going to be an italics book or is this going to be a not italics book? And either way is mm-hmm. perfectly fine. A lot of times I'll avoid italics just because I did them a lot when I was young. So like, I, I literally just try to avoid them when I can, but like, I've seen them work very well in, in novels and that, and that is definitely a, a way to do it. I, uh, I do tend to lean into the italics, 
but I also tend to write extremely limited points of view, um, either first person or very limited third person. So I try not to overdo them, but I do sprinkle them throughout the book. So I tend yeah. to use them more. And I think you do it well. So <laughs> either way, honestly. Okay, so um, this next point of view break is where Donovan says, I asked for a sun guardian, which, by the way, are the ones that are bodyguards, but not courtesans. Um, I asked for a sun guardian, he said, anger sparking in him. If I am forced <laughs> to be have, if I am to, going to be forced to have a babysitter. That's a really clunky line. Not a, and then he gets interrupted. First of all, the if I'm going to be forced to have a babysitter is a terrible line. I need to fix it because once I said it out loud, it's hard to read, but that's not a head hopping thing. It's fine. Okay. Uh, But the head hopping point thing here is anger sparking in him. It's inside his head kind of showing that he's angry internally. For me, this is an easy fix. You just show something that the main character could see that would show he's angry. Like he's scowling. His voice is raising something like that that's that's a clue, but something that the main character would notice is how I'd handle it. In my opinion, and you can tell me if yours differs, here is one of those moments where show don't tell might work better mm-hmm. because uh, anger sparking in him is something that only he can feel. Mm-hmm. He can feel the anger sparking in him, um, but we can see the anger in other ways. Mm-hmm. So like at this point we need to ask ourselves what can he be doing to show mm-hmm. anger you know uh, without us saying mm-hmm. instead of he said angrily because we yeah. could say he said angrily but we could also stretch our we- literary muscles we- here okay i i'm not going to use it but this could be a use where we hit have hissed but we're not going to do it <laughs> because <laughs> oh, it did say it. sun guardian so there's a sibilant in there which is a whole other argument I, I fall on the side of you can hiss anything because it's like an angry whisper, but a lot of people say you can't hiss anything that doesn't have S's in it. Anyways, side tangent. I was going to say he could like turn red. He could. Is it, yeah. Is this a person who could blush? Is this a, is this a pale skinned person? Yes. Is brow furrowed and he blushed? Do you just want to do blushed because. No, I like the brow furrowing. I always, yeah? I'm always in favor of furrowed brows. I have to cut them out. Later. Yes. Um, I usually use too many of them. People furrowing brows all over the place. The handsome furrowed brow. Yes. People <laughs> furrowing everywhere. It's a problem. So many furrows. <laughs> <laughs> it's a plague of furrows. Um, it's that's awesome. my new indie album, A Plague of Furrows. Uh- <laughs> so now we have... Okay, and I also fixed another issue we had when I read it. It it felt a little awkward because of the way that the dialogue was separated. So what we have now is... Um, his brow furrowed and he blushed. If I'm going to be forced to have a babysitter, I'd like a sun guardian, not a. And then we have not a what I asked flatly. I like that better. Yeah. Then he says not a, and then he gets interrupted. Not a what I asked flatly. That's fine. Flatly. But it's fine here. It's so fine. Yeah. We'll leave it here. As long as you're not over. It's one adverb. It's okay. As long as you're not overusing the adverbs, an adverb sprinkled in here and there, I like. I kind of like this yeah. one. It's, she's like, not a what? Bitch. Yeah. yeah. The bitch is implied. The bitch is implied with flatly. <laughs> and that's why we, uh, that's why we keep it there. So then the next line is Donovan grimaced, suddenly reluctant to say out loud what he'd been thinking just a moment ago. This is another mm-hmm. one of those things that's an assumption from the main character, but comes across as us going into his head and being feeling his reluctance. Yep. 
I think this one is so easy to fix. Donovan grimaced, visibly biting his tongue. Perfect. Boom. That tells us that he wants to say something, but he is not saying it. Yeah. <laughs> Without us getting into his head. Yeah. All show, don't tell. Love it. Yes. Great. Do you love this change right now? I do too. I do. Yeah. It's very. Would you do it any other way? No, that's actually pretty much how I would do it. Tensing his butt cheeks. <laughs> We've got to have fun on this podcast. <laughs> well, you know, it is a fantasy romance. There's butt cheeks later. His ass visibly clenched. Sure. Oh, wait, we used visibility. I won't write his ass visibly clenched, but I want to. Just put it in. Although we can't use visibly. Um, his ass noticeably clenched. I know, because I hurt. <laughs> thank you thank you papa yes okay um so the next line is i yes. continued go ahead say it i've heard it all before but maybe first you should ask your brother why he hired me i pointed at nikolai that one's fine too um but then yeah. the next line embarrassment washed through nikolai but he covered it with a disarming smile again we're feeling his embarrassment inside his head which we want shouldn't to do that so we already have donovan blushing earlier I think that Nikolai's words say enough mm -hmm. here that we can just have Nikolai. Um, oh, yeah. Just cut that line. Yeah, I would just cut it. I just. Yeah, because I think that Nikolai's dialogue says enough. Yeah, See, he says uh, this way. We just cut it. And it says now. Now, Nikolai said, waving his hand in front of him. Let's not focus on me, shall we? And that's perfect. Yeah. You don't even need you don't even need that information because you can tell just by his dialogue that he's over it yeah. <laughs> he's like uh no not me not me not me yeah so okay do you want to read the final one or do you want me to read it i'm gonna let you okay. read it so the final version is are you actually going to talk to me i asked or are you going to be a baby about it of course donovan would behave this way his fat pride and everything so his pride was where i prodded his brow furrowed and he blushed if I'm going to be forced to have a babysitter, I'd like a sun guardian, not a, not a what? I asked flatly. Donovan grimaced, visibly biting his tongue, his ass noticeably clenched. <laughs> I, I continued, go ahead, say it. I've heard it all before, but maybe first you should ask your brother why he hired me. I pointed at Nikolai. Now, now, Nikolai said, waving his hands in front of him. Let's not focus on me, shall we? Ta-da! Love it so good so so much cleaner now it is much cleaner but those are like you said kind of those inadvertent pov breaks because yeah. you're not going into like the thoughts of another character the way right. herbert did you're making assumptions um which by the way yeah. leads me into one of my final bugbears i'm going to discuss really quickly which are the words probably and likely which get misused a lot both in the same way and i see them used when people sneakily want to do a head hopping or point of view break, but they don't really want to do it. So they're trying to get away with it. So it would be <laughs> something like Donovan grimaced, probably angry, his ass noticeably clenched. <laughs> that's a really blatant use of it. But I, that's where I see probably and likely used a lot because you're like, well, it's the main character making an assumption, but it still feels kind of like a POV break. So that's one of those words that I'm like, please do a find 
in your document and just make sure you're not doing that because it is something I see a lot in beta reading and it's something I do in early drafts. If you must, if you <laughs> must do this, if you, if you, if you must have a word there because you can't, if you can't figure out how to show it, you should always try to show it yeah. first. But if you must do it, and please don't do this more than three times in your novel, the word plainly does work. I like that better. You can say Donovan said plainly super pissed. I think that makes more sense because it's, yeah. it's, this is kind of subtle, but it's, it's not making a guess. It's, it's making an observation. Right. It's like your character going, well, plainly angry means I yes. saw all the signs that he was angry. But saying he was probably angry means you kind of want to make a guess. Which I don't know. It yeah. seems really subtle. I Spear's not very strong, but I've had almost two of them. <laughs> and I, I haven't eaten dinner yet. So Yeah. I, I hope that. I'm making I, I hope it. I'm making sense. But there does seem to be a no, subtle difference between plainly and probably slash likely. Um, like I said, it's a personal pet peeve of mine. Um, but it is something I do and I have to like go through and just, I have a list of words I search for when I'm doing edit edits and probably and likely are on that list for that very reason. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, I've got to use an obviously or a plainly here. And yeah. sometimes you got to do what you got to do, yeah. but like it is noticeable if you abuse it, like mm -hmm. if you're doing it often it's it becomes very very obvious very fast what you're doing and i would always suggest uh if there is a way you can show it first do that because everyone knows show don't tell right so if you can show it yeah <laughs> episode two episode two show don't tell episode two. Oh, we were so baby I, know. I bet we were so cute it's yeah i hadn't quite figured out the podcast editing yet so it's a little rougher but we're getting better at that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you can you can get away with it sometimes, but you don't want to start using it as a crutch, uh, which I definitely do with plainly the first draft. <laughs> uh, because you know what? When you're writing a first draft and you're you're like, I'm not going to fucking show anything. I am trying to get my ideas on paper here, people. Yes. And sometimes showing is too hard. So. Yes. Episode mm -hmm, zero drafts. <laughs> Yeah. I don't remember what episode yeah. that is. <laughs> You've done so many. Yeah. We have so many more, too. Oh, yeah. I've got to schedule out through, like, November. <laughs> Avery a... runs a tight campaign. <laughs> I mean, it's all flexible, but I've at least got ideas through November. Anyways, so do you have any final thoughts? Any personal pet peeves you have? My personal pet peeve is when people use omniscient. <laughs> <laughs> because usually when they do it they don't need to uh just gonna blather here for a minute i i know it has nothing to do with what publishers are buying it has nothing to do with any of that uh omniscient has a time and a place mm -hmm. i have a book that's on my roster of books to write uh that is omniscient I'm scared to death to do it. And that, and you should be too, if you're planning on doing a book like that, because it's, um, 
it's that whole thing of the, the reader knowing everything, mm-hmm. right? So there, there is a battle there as far as what is unknown in that case. You have to have a plot that is so intriguing that your reader wants to keep reading anyway, even mm-hmm. though they already know everything. Because the thing is, they are going to know everything. If your enemy appears on the page, yeah, uh, you should kind of know what's going on in their head. You know, omniscient is a big mm-hmm. pet peeve. <laughs> I will say that just reminded me, I do have another pet peeve that I want to go over very briefly. And that is, this happens in multi-POV and in omniscient, both. And I hate to say this, but one of your faves has done this and he has fessed up to it later in podcasts. BS? Yep. And it's when a main character has information that you don't want the reader to know yet. So you do the thing where the main character is like, what if? No, I won't think about that. He did it in Mistborn. Brandon Sanderson did it. And he has later fessed up to it that he was like, yeah, I just used that because it was relatively early in his publishing career brilliant um, but yeah it's that thing where you <laughs> oh you're like God. you have a character be like oh i can't think about that now and it's kind of a cheap trick and sometimes i guess you can get away with it but i see you i know what you're doing i, I have it uh i have it once in the book that i just <laughs> <laughs> once is fine but fortunately, my character, uh, you know, it's a first person novel because because this can happen in first person, too, yeah. where your character's just like, oh, no, I'm not going to think about that because I don't want the reader to know. Uh, for me, it wasn't necessarily I didn't want the reader to know, but I didn't want the reader to be bogged down with the information at that point. And also, I could get away with it because that character, the character in the book that I just finished is very anxious and he's mm-hmm. an escapist. So he typically tries to dodge thinking about things. And that is not that's literally just who he is so like it made a little bit of sense in your case it's the how the character is dealing with trauma which is very different than like a character who has a master (laughs) plan who's like oh and when this happens then i'll wait no i can't and you're like come on i won't think about that right now because the reader is watching yeah so it's something to be cautious about yeah, like you said, if there are character reasons that your character would legitimately be like, nope, 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 then it makes sense. Um, but if you're just doing it as a way to keep information from the reader in a perspective that's otherwise omniscient or, like I said, multi-POV where you're getting really inside some characters' heads, maybe think of a different way to handle that. Because <laughs> Just do multiple perspectives, people. You put in a paragraph break. You change perspectives. It's fine. Half the time people want to think they want to write omniscient. What they actually want to do is have a couple scenes where you're in every character's head. And that's not omniscient writing. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's just situational advantage. Like you're like (laughs) trying to take advantage of the situation by like using omniscient all of a sudden. Now I will say I did the book before the one that I, I currently wrote the whole book was in third limited and it stayed in one character's head the entire time um but there was a point in the book where something happened to the character that they did become omniscient and at that point the book also became omniscient so i did actually get and i did this on purpose because i wanted to do it i did actually get a chance to write you know a a third of the book in omniscient and it was really hard (laughs) 
<laughs> I think it was brilliant. I loved it. I thought it was great because it was a great little twist. But but I did see how much you were like frustrated by it. It was hard. It was hard because the book wasn't designed to be omniscient, you know, mm -hmm. like whereas like the later book, you know, idea that I have, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to be easy to write an omniscient like that. There'd be no other way to do it. And that's the only time you want to do it is when you can be like, okay, there can be no other way. It must be omniscient. Like if that's the time you want to write omniscient and, and you're not going to do it all the time. Not unless you like really, really want to write omniscient and you really, really don't give a shit what your readers think because omniscient is hard. Mm -hmm. And there's a time and a place for it. Like there are so many successful books out there that are third person limited that just have split perspectives and there is no reason that you can't do that and quite honestly there's no reason that frank herbert couldn't have done it as well <laughs> but you know what at some point you do what you want because it's art so i will say um my self-published book is third person limited but it does do the scenes between scene breaks usually between whole chapters but occasionally scene breaks it does switch perspective this is actually something I kind of want to briefly touch on where we've still got a little bit of time. Romance novels. Romance novels are often, not always, but often in both perspectives. You have both points of view. You have the main character and the love interest. And in that case, they are often separate chapters, which is fine. But you do, you do get both those points of view. And like you were talking about how knowing what everybody feels can eliminate mystery for the reader in a case like this it creates dramatic irony because you see that like they're both pining and you're like i just want them to kiss just go and so it actually can create tension for the reader depending on the situation and same thing with head hopping omniscient um if you know that everybody in this tense dinner scene is working at odds it can be interesting to see, like, you want to know how it plays out because, you know, like, this guy's angling for this and this guy's trying to poke this person because they know some secret. And you kind of want to see how all the drama comes together. So sometimes it can sap tension for the reader, but sometimes it can create extra dramatic irony because you know where you can see the, like, volcano bubbling. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that's in the execution, again. Like so many things in writing. <laughs> and hey, just a little footnote. Uh, you can totally get away with omniscient in your, you know, your your third person limited romantic novel if like when the penis goes in, suddenly <laughs> there's this magical power where you can feel the other person's emotions <laughs> through the vibes in their fuck. <laughs> I feel like that might be an avatar situation. That's like very James Cameron. I <laughs> Avery's losing it. I am. Well, you know, there's like tails and there's a whole thing. There's um, tails and there's tentacles and there's plugs and stuff. I actually, you called me out on this in my sequel to Cambiari because there is a sex scene where it switches perspectives partway through and I switch chapters. And you were like, no, don't do that. Stop that. Because I get to the end of the chapter break and I think we're going to fade to black. And then the next scene is from the next person perspective. Yep. So I switched it to a scene break, which shows like we're still in the scene, but we're switching perspectives. It's the little like pretty little flourish that designates. A lot of people use the asterisks, but I get pretty because I'm a graphic designer. It's got a little like leafy design. So PT. 
But yeah, it's a scene break rather than chapter break. <clears throat> so it is something if you're doing like a limited that does switch perspectives, then being judicious with where you place scene breaks and chapter breaks can be a skill you might want to like practice and you probably won't get it right until your beta readers are like, wait a minute. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's our final thoughts. We're ending a few minutes early, but not too early. That's all right. All right. Uh, our next episode will be on July 8th and we'll be on writing dialects and accents in dialogue. Ooh, touchy subject. Yeah, sometimes you probably shouldn't. You can find everything you need at anditswriting.com. Look us up on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at anditswriting, uh, A-N-D, not the ampersand, for episode updates and notifications. If you like what you're hearing, join our Discord group. Um, we have recently started doing some discussion questions of the day where everybody gets to talk about the writing a little bit. So come hang out with us in Discord. Yeah. It's getting kind of uh, it's getting kind of social in yes. there. We're getting, we're making friends. We are making friends. Come check out our <laughs> website for details and the Discord link. Um, we'd also love it if you left us a rating or review on any of the services that let you do that. It helps other people find us and join in the fun. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you again soon. Cheers. Bye.